This is the Mark Stucheski Podcast. Dave Knoll, welcome to the show. Oh my gosh, it is such a pleasure to be speaking with you. Stop making my head get bigger, would you? <laughs> <laughs> Your podcast is really great. I've listened to five or six at this point. Um, I love the way you do it. I love uh, that you the you fire the questions at people. It's unexpected. And your guests have been great. Well, thank you. That means a lot to me. And we were talking before we um, hit record. There's a couple of things you got to know about Dave before I tell before he tells you who he is. Uh, number, well, actually, let me put that in context. Who are you? And what do you do? Because then I'm going to then I have something to add to that. I am Dave Knoll. Uh, I'm a kid from Jersey. And not the good parts. <laughs> yeah, just in that originally, we I grew up uh, at the very, very edge of Jersey. We used to say the way to get to Belvedere is you would pass like 37 farms and then make a left and then pass about 11 more farms, go over the hill. And then, and that's pretty much how you got to Belvedere. Um, but now I create television shows for a living. So I've been doing that for a long time, almost 20 years now. Um, uh, 50 plus TV series. The biggest show is chopped on the food network and the entire chopped franchise, chopped junior, chopped sweets, chopped Canada. One of my favorite shows ever chopped Canada. Um, and then, uh, and then, uh, one other big show that we do right now is this awesome game show called America says, uh, on the game show network so far, 450 episodes of America says, and um, so much fun to make and so much fun to be a part of. Okay. So two things. Number one, can we tell why? Because I want to make sure it doesn't break any confidentiality. confidentiality <laughs> thing. Can we tell why we had to move this? Originally, we were supposed to record this on March 5th. We had to move it back to March 4th. But can you tell us the reason why? Because this is the no guest has ever used this excuse before. This is a true story. It is not a dog ate my homework level excuse. <laughs> We've been trying to schedule this uh, pitch slash meeting with the good people at NBC Peacock. And uh, the only time they had available was tomorrow. And so I, I begged Mark. And he, this is true. I said, I really want to do this. Can we move it? And he said, well, what about today? And I said, I'm in. So you're hearing this listener on Saturday, but that's the reason why. And, and I got it when he said, oh, NBC Peacock. Oh, the only times I've heard that uh, once. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if I haven't heard that excuse. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Peacock people. <laughs> yeah. And uh, the other thing is, is my daughter, Hannah, has never listened to my show, but her and my wife, Michelle, her stepmom, uh, used to watch Chop like I watched the Super Bowl. They would like, oh, my gosh, she's going to do this and, and going to do this. And I'm like, what are you watching? Oh, it's this Chop show and it does this. And so hopefully this will be the first podcast ever that Hannah's ever listened to mine because I actually gave her a shout out on my show. So, Hannah, I hope you're listening at least three minutes into the show. I will say that Hannah and Michelle... Uh, are two of my favorite people. They have great tastes. They're very smart. And I really like them. Now, let's speak about taste because, I mean, I remember uh, they would sit on the couch and they'd watch Chop, like again, like a sporting event. And they used to get really excited when somebody would cut their finger. And I'm like, that is so <laughs> gross. They're making food. But before we talk about that, what is the premise of, of Chop? Because explain it for the people who doesn't, don't know what that is. If you've never seen Chopped, it is a cooking competition on the Food Network for um, 
uh, outstanding, but not famous. Usually, sometimes we do celeb episodes and all-star episodes, but four just up-and-coming, outstanding chefs um, compete. They're each given a basket. They have no idea what's in the basket. They open it up, um, and they have to cook an appetizer. And uh, the, the clock starts. And they have to cook with what's in that basket. And again, they have no idea what's in the basket. Um, that's the first round of the show. They present those appetizers to the judges. And then the judges, who, whichever appetizer they like the least, that chef is chopped. Chopped. <laughs> uh, then the three remaining chefs go to the main course round. They get a brand new basket. One of them is chopped at the end of the round. And then the two remaining chefs each cook a dessert. Uh, and at the end of that, one of them is chopped and one of them wins and they take home $10,000. But really, it's such a hard show to do. They have to be so talented and so smart and work so quickly um, that I think they would say the $10,000 is great. But just winning is a huge deal to a lot of people in the culinary world. Uh, I love when I am traveling around the country um, and I see a sign on a restaurant that says, so and this chef was a chopped winner. Um, that makes me happy in ways that I can't even uh, describe. Because when you get into pitching and creating TV shows, that's not your goal, right? I'm, it, your, your goal is not to you know make a local chef happy. But the fact that we can do that uh, is amazing. And I, I absolutely love it. So who decides what ingredients or components go in the basket? I mean, do they, do you have a team? Do you have people that do that? There are teams of experts, Mark teams, <laughs> each, each um, culinary uh, competition that we do has a food team, a culinary team. And so, you know, they know things about food that even though, you know, we've done a thousand plus episodes of cooking shows they know things about food that I'll never, ever, ever know. Um, these culinary teams, they're so smart. And so when they're putting that basket together, it's not haphazard. They're doing things uh, on multiple levels, but that's how it works. And then there's, you know, then there's producers who also add two cents from time to time. Interesting. Now, I'm a big fan of Shark Tank and Shark Ugh. Tank, you, you see it for 40 minutes, I but apparently it. the pitches go for like hours. And so is Chop the same the same thing? Do they actually film the whole the whole competition and they, they select it down? Because you only have about 43 minutes, right? Yes. Yes. Very similar. So it we shoot over the course of a day um, and then it's all edited down to that one hour. Um, but we cleave. So cleave Keller is the woman who creates shows with me. Uh, we are gigantic shark tank fans and I'm not sure they would say the same thing, but we call it our sister show okay. because of the, in the year 2009, there are two different formats, television formats that premiered that year that are still on the air. Um, one of them is chopped and one of them is shark tank. So not only are we a fan of that show, but we also feel, you know, like we are kindred spirits. Wow. You know, I like to, I, I had this vision just came to me right now. I, you know, my wife and I love to watch uh, Chicago Wednesday, you know, Chicago. Oh, Man, yeah, of course, of course. I think yes. you need to have a Shark Tank uh, a chop a crossover event. I don't know how that would work, but I think it would love... be pretty interesting. <laughs> I absolutely love that idea. One of the chop judges sits with the sharks 
and and then everything they, that's brought in is food. And then one of the sharks, I love it, sips in the chop judges and tries to judge. That is amazing. That's really well, good. You're thinking on like network programming levels, Mark. I like it. Well, if you use it, make sure you say, hey, this is this is the first <laughs> idea came from Mark struck as a whiskey. Okay. Because okay. Really I'll, I'll, I'll butcher your last name. Oh, my friend Mark S. Uh, <laughs> came up with this amazing idea. <laughs> so now you created the whole concept of chop, right? Yeah. Um, uh, the way shows are created, it's, it's, it, it's almost, um, each one is a miracle is, is kind of the truth about it. Well, at one point I heard, um, Paul McCartney talking about writing songs and how some songs come from a chord that you play and some songs you start to hear it in your head and some songs you write a line and then another line. And that's basically each song. There's no real process to it. Each song comes to life in a different way. And that's exactly how television shows work. Sometimes it's Cleve texting me something, or sometimes it's a YouTube clip, or sometimes it's a title. Like, honestly, there are titles that we're in love with that are on this long, long list that we have. And I'm just staring at that title, waiting for the show to come to me. Um, but really most of the time, it's a lot of, of work and creativity and batting ideas back and forth. And eventually then you come to a great show. Uh, Chopped, my friend Mike and I were obsessed with the dating show Eliminate. And on that show, um, basically what would happen is one uh, woman – and we, by the way, we were obsessed with the format of it. I wouldn't say that I loved watching it because it was this, <laughs> like a bunch of 20 somethings jumping in a jacuzzi show. And that, by the way, is not me or my life at all. I am very boring. I have a wife and three kids and I live in the suburbs and it's, you know, it, it, there's great things about working in TV, but in general, I'm a boring New Jersey dad. But so there was this show Eliminate and it was uh, a woman would date four guys at once and at different intervals in the uh, date, she would eliminate, eliminate, eliminate one of them until there was only one guy left. And I think then at the end, they went on a vacation together or maybe just jumped in the jacuzzi together. I don't know. <laughs> but we loved that format and we were pretty obsessed with it. And I had a pitch coming up uh, with the great Charles Norlander at the Food Network. And uh, Norlander is a, a extremely smart um, just a, uh, slightly intimidating presence. He's always extremely well-dressed. He's very smart. Um, he knows exactly what he wants, et cetera. And, uh, I had a couple ideas or maybe I had a show. I don't even remember what it was, but I didn't love it. And so I reached out to Mike who was working with Cleve and I at that point. And I said, Mike, do you have anything? And so Mike called and said, well, we keep talking about eliminate. What if you do an Iron Chef type show, but in an, elimina in, in an elimination format. So at that point, cooking competition had only been one hour, one round. That was it. You, you would get an assignment. Basically, Iron Chef was the big show. They would give you a thing, fish or whatever. It was one ingredient. And then they'd, each chef would have an hour to cook. And then at the end, uh, the judges would judge. And we thought that was a little boring at that point lasting through that entire hour. By the way, I love Iron Chef and it's an insanely awesome show, but we thought if we could have three competitions per hour, it would move things along faster. And so 
literally this, it was almost all of chopped came then in the next five minutes because he said, what if we do, you know, three rounds and it's four chefs and they get eliminated. I was like, Oh my gosh, that's amazing. That's so perfect. (laughs) And then, um, uh, and then like I said, uh, you know, those silver domes that they put over the, uh, the host can lift the dome and said, and say, this meal has been chopped. And I was, Oh, I was like, Oh my gosh, this should be called chopped. And then Mike was like, there's three rounds. It's appetizer, main course, dessert. And I was like, this is, I literally, we were so (laughs) excited. And it was one of the rare times that kind of, it all came together. And then uh, the next day or two days later or whatever it was, uh, I walked into uh, Mr. Norlander's office and pitched him and he immediately got it. And um, it, it, it took two, two years to get on air because TV is TV. (laughs) <laughs> but once it got on air, it, it, you know, it was not an overnight hit in the way that you read about that, like movies are, you know, when they say like, ah, this movie, no one expected it. And then it exploded in the first weekend, it made $70 million. That's not usually how TV works. It's usually a slower build. Um, uh, but almost right away, we knew, oh, this is a success. Wow. This is a big success. Now, I did not think that like, I would still be talking about it, you know, and it would still be on the air 12 years later. Uh, but that is how, that is what we just had to already think our 12th birthday. My goodness. Well, <laughs> congratulations. That's awesome. So when you're doing the editing, uh, number one, are you involved in the editing? And number two, when a chef uh, cuts their face, cuts their <laughs> finger, not their face. No, we're not talking about a shaving show here. Uh, <laughs> they're not throwing knives around. When they cut themselves, I mean, is there a debate about should we leave that in the show or not? Hey there, it's Mark, and I want to invite you to become a Mark Stuchowski Insider and get the top five productivity tips for entrepreneurs absolutely free. It all happens over at MrProductivity.com. I mean, uh, first of all, deeply, deeply involved in the editing at the beginning. What Cleve and I basically do now is we say we create machines. We create factories, assembly lines, right? We create a show, and then if someone's as in love with it as we are and is willing to fork over a whole bunch of money to pay for it, then we work really hard to build that show into a machine that then we can slowly back away from. And then by episode, sometimes it's episode 10, and you're like, oh, this is pretty great. And then sometimes it takes to episode 30. But then we can kind of back away, let everyone do their job. Uh, and you know, in television, ev- there's all these amazing, talented, creative people, editors, uh, lighting designers, set designers, um, all producers, all of these people who, who know how to do their job. And then we can kind of back away. And then what we found is then what our job should be is to then figure out how to build that brand. And chopped is the biggest, best example. Um, you know, for us, but the whole goal is, you know, Wheel of Fortune or Survivor or uh, The Voice. That's that's the goal where there's versions all over the world making money, not only in the US, but France and Germany and Scandinavia and Australia and Japan and 
et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Well, Survivor is um, so old. I think the disciples, Jesus' disciples, were on the first Survivor, I think. <laughs> Judas got I voted off the island. <laughs> oh, but to answer your question about Bloody Fingers, I remember the first time or a couple of times it happened. You know, you get, I, you know, get, I'm a ner- I have three kids. I get very nervous for people. I'm like, I just, I don't want anyone in any show I'm associated with. I don't want anyone to have to go to the hospital. I, I, I don't even want them to be sad. You know, I basically just want people to have a blast, have a great time. And then I want some people to win and really have a great time. But, um, but that said, what we learned early on is people do kind of love it. Uh, viewers. So you, unless it's terrible, um, which has never happened. Um, then the rule is, yeah, leave it in. Cause that's what really happened. And uh, on chopped, but even on the game shows that we do, the goal really is a hundred percent, uh, fairness and a hundred percent authenticity, just like when you're sitting watching an NBA game and, or a, a NFL game or whatever, you want it to be fair and you want it to be real and you want to watch exactly what is happening so you can enjoy it, um, you know, in quote unquote real time. So when we're shooting game shows, uh, it's basically, if it's a 22 minute game show, we're shooting it basically in 35 minutes when we can. Maybe we're trimming out a bit if the host is really funny, for instance, and we want to keep just the best jokes in, but cut it down to time. Um, and chopped is a little bit more because, uh, you know, the, one of the rounds is an hour. So you, you want to cut that down to the very best stuff, but we want the experience to be as authentic, as authentic and as fair. But and, they don't and stop it. I mean, when I saw the one episode I saw, uh, Michelle and Hannah made me watch. There's been over 900 episodes, Mark, and you've only seen one. Yes. <laughs> yes. Correct. Foods. I All eat right. food. I don't watch. But the thing is, you. they just, I mean, do they literally just like wrap something around and keep going? Is that real? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, this <laughs> thing about chefs is because um, now I've met a ton of them and worked with a ton of them and and know them really, really well. Is that they're used to it, right? Like that's oh. they're working so fast in a dinner rush, for instance, that that these things happen. And you, yeah, you don't want blood in the food. Obviously, you clean everything up, you wrap it, you keep going. Oh my goodness, that's just crazy. So let's um let's take away let's step away from chop for a little bit here because I don't want to get chopped on the network. Um, but let's you know you create shows and obviously everything that comes out of your mind is not a chopped is not a winner. Uh, you probably have more <laughs> like cutting room floor things. So talk to us about how you deal with when you know you come up with an idea and you think it's a great idea and you start pitching and people go ah that's horrible. It, you know, about that. it's it's sad to say, but th- what you just described is our life. That's ninety nine percent of our life. the The chop part is a miracle that happens. Every, every, you know, it never happens, but it happens every once in a while. Or America says, you know, taking off on Game Show Network. That's a rarity. That's the uh, right now. It's depending on how you're measuring one of the top three shows in the history of that network. And it looks like eventually will become number one in the history of the network. That doesn't happen. Um, most of our life is disappointment and failure and no's and passes and people not calling back and then passing or people crazy interested and then not buying the show. Um, that's, and that really is um, when I give, 
talks or talk to um, classes, you know, college classes or whatever on pitching, and people say, what's the most important thing? Um, uh, I say, well, just know that you're going to fail and that, and that it's okay. The way we look at it is literally, like you have to, especially in television, you have to look at it have to that every no is not really a no it's a it's just another step towards the yes to the point where uh and you're a numbers guy so i i know that you might appreciate this (laughs) (laughs) to the point where early on we created an equation so we we had heard um from the legendary uh legendary television executive, Brandon Tartikoff, who ran NBC, by the way. I don't want to keep dropping big letters on you, but there you go. Uh, (laughs) He said, no matter how great the show is, you're going to have to pitch it 30 times, even if it's the greatest show. Wow. You have to pitch it 30 times because the other 29 people, most of them aren't going to get the show. You're you're working out the pitch. You're working the right things to say. You're figuring out the right words, the the right way to describe it. There are people are going to love it, but they won't have the money for it. People are going to love it, but they won't have the time slot. They won't have, uh, it's not right for their advertisers. It's not right for their audience. All of those things that we have to deal with. And so, so we wrote that number down. We're like, okay, just to get a deal, we're going to have to pitch 30 times. Then we went around and asked, uh, all these other production companies, uh, and network executives out of every deal, how many actually become a television show? So there's the point where they call and say, okay, you have a deal. Usually that means it's a development deal or a pilot deal. Very rarely, but it happens sometimes. They say, okay, let's go right to series. So we figured out that out of every one deal, uh, out of every four deals, one thing, one idea will go to series and actually become a show. So that's 30 times four, right? (laughs) Then... We talked to network executives and programming executives, and we kept asking the same question. Out of every show that makes it on the air, how many become an actual hit, like a legitimate hit show? Not like trickle to season two, but like Law and Order or the Chicago shows or you know any or Big Bang Theory. How many actually make it to where they're a hit? And the answer was a lot of people gave a lot of different answers, but the average was eight. And so we had this big giant equation on the board when we started that was 30 times four times eight equals 960. And wow. that, that is daunting. And keep in mind, that's 960 great pitches. If you have a terrible pitch, it doesn't count because what Tartikoff said is you need a great pitch. You have to have the perfect pitch 30 times, right? So if you have a bad show, bad pitch, it doesn't count. So we were like, we need to have the best pitches ever, the best ideas ever. We need to pitch as much as we possibly can. And if we pitch 960 times, we're going to end up with a hit show. And that way, you just think of every no as a single step towards 960. And then it seems less daunting, oddly, and less um, insulting when people pass, even if they're really insulting when they pass, which often happens, by the way. Um, wow. And I and uh, chopped, no joke. So we st- we had that equation starting back in um, I don't know, probably two thousand two, and chopped 
was pitch approximately number 870 something. So we were 880 something. So we were not far off is the point. And it was like, we just kept pitching and we kept going and it took probably like, I don't have these numbers, but it probably took about another 800 to, to 900 pitches to get to America says. And along the way we have had other hits. We've had other shows that have lasted three seasons, four seasons. We've had other shows that have, we had a show on HGTV called don't sweat it that lasted well over a hundred episodes. So I'm not saying, you know, we've had other successes, um, but to get those big mega hits that people, you know, really care about, it's really hard to do. So you just keep, you don't worry about the no's or the passes. You pretend they don't exist. And you just, I literally picture a, an eternal chessboard that goes forever. And it, every time a no comes in, I literally picture, well, that's, a, that's another step to the next space on the chessboard. Hey, I now have an affiliate program where you can earn up to 30% commission just for referring people to my paid program. To find out more, go to MrProductivity.com, scroll to the bottom of the page, and click the link. That's amazing. And one thing that we got to make sure the listener understands is that the ultimate uh, boss is the viewers. So the network could buy into it, but if no one's watching it because TV's all about money, the show goes bye-bye. That's exactly right. I. I say to my aunt Sue all the time, you're the, she's the most important person viewer in my life. I can show my aunt Sue a show and almost every single time she gets it right. She's like, Oh, that's not going to (laughs) work. She watched the America says first episode. The, the, it it was, we, we did uh, a pilot that we changed a lot. And then she watched the first episode and she said, that's, she called me and she said, that's going to be a hit. It's going to last much longer than you think it is. And I was wow. like, okay. But I called Cleve right away and I said, because Cleve, Cleve will now say, what did it, what does Aunt Sue think? <laughs> um, and I called Cleve and I was like, Aunt Sue says it's going to be a hit. She loves Sean Michael Higgins. She played along. She thinks it's amazing. And, um, and she was a hundred percent, she was a hundred percent right. <laughs> well, let me, let me ask you about renewals because, you know, at what point, are you waiting for, okay, are we renewed for a, a seventh season, a ninth season, a 12th season? I mean, at what point, I mean, you, are you on pins and needles uh, if you're confident about the show or are you saying this is an automatic thing? It, it totally depends that sometimes like with America says, we know it's really doing well. It's, it's, it's lasted beyond every expectation we've had chopped is gone. You know, you're not on pins and needles anymore. You're, you would, I would like the, I would love a show to continue, you know, after I am no longer with us. Right. But Merv Griffin, the great talk show host of the seventies. Oh, I remember um, Merv. Yeah. You remember Merv, right? <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> like when you're homesick or whatever, yep. and your mom's watching Merv, he created two, he's no longer with us, but he created two. Was he chopped? Oh, sorry. Amazing yeah. shows. Very, very, right. Very chopped. We ripped it off. No. He created Wheel of Fortune and Jeopardy. And oh, really? that's, yeah. And that's the goal. That guy, Merv Griffin, created Wheel of Fortune and Jeopardy. And it was like the crazy, I, both of them were crazy stories. One was he loved the game Hangman with, and he played with his sister. And one he came up on, with on a plane with his wife. They were just coming up with, you know, like, uh, I don't know. You know, it was like, hey, instead of asking the question, what if we say the answer? 
and it's still on. It's amazing. So that's that's our our goal is to have shows that last forever. You know when it is pins and needles is when it's close. So oftentimes you're on the bubble and you've given you know your your part of your soul to this show that's like been on for I'm I'm about to start crying cuz I'm I'm picturing a a show that we had where we worked so hard on the first two seasons and the executives were great and the whole situation was great and the studio was great and the show was great and the host is great and the everything about it we deeply deeply loved and we thought it was going to get a pickup cuz it was right on the bubble and they said you know can you put a presentation together uh, for what season three would look like. And we did, and we worked crazy hard on it and we worked with the host and the whole team. And then when they passed, it was it was, that part. You can't get, it's hard to get over. It's really hard. You have, you know, you have to, you have to wake up the next day and create again and pitch yep. again and you keep going. But there's a part of you that is sad. <laughs> You're going to miss those people, you know, yeah. just on a very personal level. And then of course, on a financial level, you know, we've ha- I, you know, we've had agonizing stories where uh the network will call and say um I mean we had a a 20 million dollar deal uh 170 episodes that fell apart once. Wow. Um that you know and it's not nothing there's nothing you can control there's nothing you can do in that particular case it was an executive uh left the company and he was the real champion of the show and the new person came in and said I don't want to do it. Mm. So there are the bad days, but I, I bet there are, but you know what? <laughs> you, you know what? Here, here's the thing before we get into mic swap, which we're going to do next, this is where my mind goes. This is, this is inside the mind of Mark Stuchowski. Instead of telling people that someone died, you say, yeah, Johnny, he's been chopped. I'm just, <laughs> that's, I don't ask you where that run. went. <laughs> he had a great run. <laughs> Um, I do have a fear, Mark, that you're tapping into that, you know, when I die, it's going to be like Dave Knoll's been shot <laughs> and I'll be like, oh, great. Thanks, Hollywood reporter. I wonder, I wonder how many of my listeners are going, rolling their eyes like they're rolling their eyes and go, oh my gosh, no, that's kind of brilliant. Instead of saying, <laughs> you know, they went to both sides of that. So, well, listen, you gave us a lot to think about, but I want to take this energy. I want to go to Mike Swap. This is something where we... We change roles. You get to be the host of the Mark Stuchowski podcast. I get to be the guest, and you can ask me one to three questions. I think this is going to be really fun. So, Dave, you are now – they don't do this anymore in late-night shows. Remember when Johnny Carson used to have subs? They don't do it anymore. The night side, they just show replays. But um, So I'm gonna we're going to switch the mics right now and let you ask me some questions. Uh, hello. Welcome to the Dave Knoll Show. I'm here with my what? good what? friend, what? Mark. <laughs> You said the bike swap. I'm here with my good friend, Mark. Mark, how are you doing? I'm doing tremendous. How are you doing today? I am outstanding. I have got one to three questions for you. Uh, the first one, sir, is we talked a bit about the disappointments in my job and how we kind of break through them. How do you bust through disappointments uh, in your career, in your life? One of my, uh, my favorite aunt, Aunt Rory, she uh, has a saying, she's 84 years old, served this country. She's got a lot of military buddies who call her all the time because she's a therapist. And she always says, it is what it is, meaning that, hey, something's going to happen. 
whether like in March of 2020, I got those phone calls. There's a lot of people got, uh, this is, Hey, listen, lost my job. I got to cancel my coaching. And like, I could dwell on it and say, poor me. I could switch from being a Tigger, which I naturally are to be in an Eeyore. If you know Winnie the Pooh, but I'm like, Hey, listen, I understand their, their life happened. The COVID happened. It just, I wake up every day. Literally I'm, I'm dead seriousness. I wake up every day. And I'm so thankful I'm alive. I, I I look at it like I'm a little boy at Christmas morning. What am I going to learn today? What am I going to uh, experience? Who am I going to meet today? That's why I look at every day. I love that. I love it. That's why your podcast is so good, sir. Honest Thank to you. that, honestly, that is because that positivity, especially in 2021. I keep saying to people, you know, everyone's like, "Well, what do you think about 2021? What you know, what's your goals for 2021?" And I'm like, positivity and productivity. Yes. Whatever that means to you, that's it. Do it. I'm so excited about 2021. I really am. I really think that most people, this is going to be an incredible year. It's going to be so good. We're going to forget about 2020. I keep signing emails off or 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 starting emails with uh, happy 2021. And Cleve's like, you know, it is March, Dave. I'm like, it doesn't matter. 2021 is a feeling. It's a state yes, of mind. 100%. All right. With the, one of the other things, um, when I talk to uh, college kids or people right out of college, uh, I, I make this Venn diagram thing. Um, and I, basically, I say, what makes you you? What makes you memorable? And what makes you money? And wherever those things collide, that is what you should head towards. Um, you know, if you want to listen to me, Dave Noll. <laughs> so I would like to ask you, um, I have a, you know, from listening to the podcast, I have a bit of a taste about what makes you, you, I have a bit of a taste about what makes you money. What makes you memorable? I think it has to do with my Tigger personality. Um, Winnie the Pooh is great. Love Winnie the Pooh, but I am so thrilled to be alive. Um, Gary Vaynerchuk talks about like you being a human being at this t- point in time is like a trillion to one odds. And it breaks my heart. It's one of the reasons why I left Facebook and Instagram and Twitter because I was complaining so divisive. They're so angry. They're not happy. I'm like, you're alive. The very fact you can listen to this conversation It's a blessing. And I think, you know, you got to look at the bright side of things. So I'm so happy to be alive. And so when guests on my show, very, by the way, you're one of the very few guests that ever matched my energy. Most people like, holy crap, that's that's a lot of work. I will match you. Yeah. A lot of people, they're like, yeah. Well, at the end of one of my shows and we finished recording, they're like, oh my gosh, that was a workout. I'm like, why? Like you have so much energy. I was trying to keep up kind of like, you know, but that's the way I am. And people say when you're around Mark, oh my gosh, he he just brightens up the room. And, and I think that comes from what I just said earlier is because I love life. I mean, I am so thankful and I'm not even uh, as good looking as Dave or make as much money as Dave or no. Or have ever been able to use the skew set NBC Peacock wanted to, you know, talk to me, but I, I still love life. All right. Last question. Um, and it's a good one. I've been saving up. Uh, one of my favorite people that I've ever met in this business in my long run uh, is Hannah. And um, I know she doesn't fully appreciate your work. Do you have a message for Hannah right now so maybe she will listen to more of your podcast <laughs> oh my goodness oh my goodness <laughs> she's so wait. smart she's got great taste she's incredibly smart 
She watches all the best television. But do you have any messages to her about listening to your podcast? Well, I would tell her, hey, listen, listen to all your dad's podcasts because your dad's awesome. Dave Knoll, the creator of Chopped, says I'm awesome. So, Hannah, that should be enough for you to listen to all my shows. He's li- Hannah, Dave has listened to more at podcast episodes of mine than you have. There's they probably buy a that. lot. <laughs> and I, I've only I've only known Dave for like about a month. You've known me for 24 years. So let's get on the ball here, girl. I love you. But come on, give your dad some uh, some respect here. <laughs> She's going to kill me. <laughs> and is the best. Yeah, she is. OK, Dave. Well, the final question I have for you, other than going to the Food Network and watching uh, Chopped or uh, America Sense. You know, I've never heard of that show before. What network is that? on? you said the Game Show Network? America Says on Game Show Network. Oh, it, my wife and I don't they, they cable, just so. this week upped the number of repeats that they show. So we have we have now sixty six zero airings a week on the Game Show Network. Wow, it's well, amazing, Mark. I don't have I don't have it because we don't have we got rid of cable like six years. Ago, so uh, definitely, people should connect with me on LinkedIn. It's Dave Noll N O L L uh, or Instagram. It's I'm at, at Dave Noll TV. Um, you know, or just keep listening to Mark's podcast dave i appreciate this was so much fun i am so jazzed up even more than i am i guess i'm tigger multiplied now um (laughs) got that tigger equation the 30 times four times eight i'm like a tigger times two so dave thank you so much for being on the show today it's been a ton of fun thank you so much Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Mark Stuchowski Podcast. I really hope it served you well today. Now head on over to my website, mrproductivity.com. Sign up to be a free Mark Stuchowski Insider. Get my top five productivity tips for entrepreneurs. Absolutely free. It's my gift to you. And until tomorrow, my friend, go be productive.